Hey guys, this edition of Ask Father Josh was recorded with a different audio system. So if you think it sounds different on your computer or your cell phone, whatever you're listening to the podcast from, uh, it's, it's definitely not you, it's, it's me. But next week we'll be back to the regular recording system. What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, study them, and then hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. Please shoot me an email at feedback from today's show and previous shows as well. And hit me up with new questions for future shows at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. And don't forget to rate us and to review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. If the show is a gift for you, then potentially it can become a gift for other people as well to encounter Christ now and hopefully for all eternity in the kingdom of heaven. On today's show, we're going to talk about Setting an example to our kids, especially whenever we have a past, when we rebelled, when we were children. We're going to talk about my Catholic faith and why I chose to be Catholic, right? Because as many of you know, I wandered for a little while and went all over the place. I was going to non-denominational communities and Baptists, Methodists, all over the place. So why did I choose to be Catholic now? And here's the controversial question for today's show. We're going to talk about nuns without habits and how we are to be in relationship with them. So those are the topics for today's show. Stay tuned. I look forward to walking with you. Before we get jumping into today's topics, I have a glory story to share with you. My glory story is simple. I am just so happy to be a priest and to be a pastor who is in relationship with the beautiful body of Christ in my community at Our Lady the Holy Rosary Catholic Church. These people are the body of Christ. Like, really? Like, that's huge. And they are living out their particular roles in the body. Some are hands, some are feet, some are eyes, some are ears, right? They're all different members of the body, but all necessary members. Limited members, like me, limited, but very necessary for the building up of his kingdom. And it's been really beautiful lately because over the past, I would say, three weeks, we've had different people come visit our community from other parishes who just want to want to learn what what's going on here and i always tell everybody like it's not just me like i am one member of the body but i'm a limited member it's the fact that we have a team of people here who have all answered god's call to fulfill fulfill their roles in the body of christ to build his kingdom and so we have all these different parishes coming and learning um what they could potentially do to also um, cultivate the kingdom uh, cultivate the kingdom and their geographical boundaries. And so I'm just so grateful to be able to accompany the people here, both in youth ministry and in our religious education program and at the Full of Grace Cafe and RCIA and all the different things that we have going on here where the people are helping other people grow and nurture their gifts for the place that God the Father sent them to go. Um, part two of the glory story is my book, Broken and Blessed, is now available on audiobook. So if you want to check that out, it is available at ascensionpress.com and on any other place, I think like Amazon or whatever, wherever you get audiobooks from. And so definitely make sure you get that because I I spent a lot of time recording that book. I read the book myself, so you get to hear my voice. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning on a daily basis to do that because the first day I did it, I, w- I was up at 3 a.m. recording it. And so I want my voice to sound the same every chapter. And so every day for a very long time i had to wake up early and record because it kept messing up and so i was like you know what i'm just gonna come back tomorrow at three and so that's why my voice sounds super like tired as i'm reading the book 
but it's all it's all for effect. So, but yeah, the book is available. So if the book was a gift for you, uh, there are people in your life who might prefer just to listen to it while they're driving on the road. So Broken and Blessed, an invitation to my generation through Ascension Press is available now. And finally, one last thing, another glorious story I heard from a friend recently. I saw Michelle Benzinger from uh, from Biden Together. She always says like her her top thing is always like three or four. Uh, the movie Unplanned came out and I've not seen it yet. However, uh, there was a glory story because uh, there's a young woman who went and saw the movie with a family member of hers recently in our community. And the woman was uh, pro-choice. And when she saw the movie, she is now pro-life. Just by seeing a movie, she's been convicted and had a transformation of heart through the art of movie. So I would highly encourage you to be like me and plan on seeing the movie Unplanned if you haven't done so already. All right, before we get into today's topics, we have some follow-up feedback from some of our listeners. The first one comes in from Hildegard, and I want you to check out her audio glory story. Hi, Father Josh. I am one of your new podcast listeners. My name is Hildegard. I want to share with you a glory story. The other day, somebody made a complaint about me at work, and I was pretty stressed out. But I prayed the rosary. I asked my friends to pray for me. And as I was sitting and waiting for my hearing, I showed my rosary to my supervisor, and she actually ended up buying a handmade rosary from me, a five-decade rosary and also a decade chaplet. Uh, She is Catholic, but she doesn't pray the rosary currently, so please pray for her um, that she would start to pray the Holy Rosary and maybe even return to the sacraments. So that was wonderful. And um, the complaint was dismissed because I didn't do anything wrong. So that was also an answer to my prayers. So um, just wanted to share that your podcast is awesome. I love your singing and please pray for me. Bye bye. Thank you, Hildegard, for sharing that. You are a gift to the kingdom of God. Also, we have some feedback from Kennedy. Kennedy writes this. Hi, Father Josh. My name's Kennedy and I'm 23 years old living in Chi-Town, Chicago. I wanted to let you know how much your podcast has lifted my spirits. I listen to you when I get ready in the morning, before heading out the door, and it definitely has made me a stronger, more passionate Catholic. Praise Jesus. My heart's on fire for Jesus and listening to your podcast and smiling whenever you bust out in song. Ooh, what song should I sing right now? Oh, you know what? One of my jams is, You've been on my mind. I grow fonder every day, lose myself in time, just thinking of the way God only knows how it's taken me so long to let my doubts go, something, something, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes, and gravy on the side with some salt and pepper, and I'm gonna arrive. Uh, so, anyways, you say my heart is on fire for Jesus. Blah 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 blah. Song. There we go. Sets me up for the day. Also, it means so much to me when I hear you mention that you're praying for us. Oh, Kennedy, God bless you. I'm praying for you today. Daytime prayer. You got it. Psalms. Even though I've never met you, it really does feel like you're genuinely praying for me. I, I actually am praying for you, Kennedy. You get daytime prayer. That means a lot. Thank you, and God bless. And Kennedy, by the way, so I'm be praying the liturgy of the hours, daytime prayer for you. If you download on your iPhone, iBrievery, 
then you can also join in praying the liturgy hours, the prayer of the church for, for me. So we can be praying the Psalms of Christ for and with each other so we can become saints one day. Praise God. All right, now let's get to today's show. First question comes in from a changed mother. She writes this. Hi, Father Josh. Thank you so much for your priesthood and the great work that you're doing with the podcast. Thank you especially for introducing me to the litanies that you've mentioned. They have changed my prayer life. Whoa, praise God. Yo, I love litanies. As I've always said litany of trust from the Sisters of Life, litany of humility from Cardinal Mary Duval, um, the new litany of deliverance. I got the prayer that came from a, uh, in the deliverance book. I, I do love litanies. They are so helpful. Back to your question. Here's a short background for my question. My husband and I were both raised Catholics and with the real love for the Lord, but our faith had shallow roots and neither of us were properly catechized. Yeah, isn't that the case for so many of us? We both fell away from the practice of the faith while in university. And by the time we were cafeteria Catholics at best, um, we were super proud of ourselves for waiting for each other and still being virgins when we met. But we did not wait for marriage. We lived together before we got married, and we contracepted throughout dating and for the first couple of years of our marriage. We both had a really powerful conversion about two years ago, and understanding and following church teaching has transformed our marriage and our lives. Amen. Because the church teaching comes from Jesus, and he's transformative. We now have a beautiful daughter, praise the Lord, and we hope and pray for more children. But how am I supposed to teach my daughter was right when I didn't set the example growing up. She would probably see photos of me dressed immodestly. My friends and family would tell stories about me drinking to excess, clubbing, using recreational drugs. And the big one is that she would know her father and I lived together before we were married. I'm so worried that from her perspective, it would seem like we had our fun and then decide to follow church teachings when it was convenient for us. And even if I share with her how deeply wounded I was by living that way, it was an interior suffering and pain that comes from being cut off from God. On the surface, looking at the timeline of my life, it looks like things worked out pretty well. This affects my confidence in my ability to evangelize as well. Because I fear that my family and friends see me as a hypocrite. I said I was Catholic throughout my 20s while I basically did whatever I wanted. Who am I to try to teach people about Christ and His church and all the beautiful teachings now that I claim to be really Catholic? It's always heavily on my heart. And I appreciate any advice that you can give. God bless you, Father. Know that you're my prayers regularly. Thank you, Changed Mother, for your, your question and for your prayers. So a few things. Every saint, every single saint, except for the Blessed Virgin Mary, has a past. And every single sinner has a future. And we should never let our past mistakes dictate our future calling to become a saint in our walk toward eternity. God has the capacity and the power to turn our mess into his message of divine mercy. And so I just really want to encourage you to not focus on your past, but to focus on Jesus and trust that like every single saint who's preceded us outside the Blessed Virgin Mary and like you know, the baby martyrs, like those saints have had past. They've had sins. We've all struggled. And so you have a testimony to share with your daughter about the reality of the interior desolation you were in because of your sin and how now there is a, a joy in your heart that is, that is incomparable. Like no, nothing compares to the joy you have with Christ now from the time that you lived in sin. Think about the saints who preceded us. St. Peter. St. Peter had a past. And he was like a cafeteria Catholic in a sense, right? Like he picked and choose which teachings of Christ he was going to be on fire from and which teachings he wouldn't be. 
And, and then he eventually began to come around. But even after he came around and received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, he still messed up. And so he's still not perfect. And I venture to say, you're probably still not perfect. And so it's, it's good for our kids to see, like, we're all struggling to become saints. The, the, the calling to be in union with Christ forever is going to be a struggle. And the saints who preceded us struggled, and so did I, and so will you. But when you struggle, I want you to know, baby girl, that I'm going to be there for you. Like, let your daughter know that you want to accompany her and you want to walk with her back to Jesus over and over and over again. Um, I recently gave a homily at one of my daily masses, and I, I asked the congregation, I said, how many of y'all have ever like left the church for a period? And you'd be amazed at how many people in my congregation raised their hands, including ministers, including people who are now in full-time ministry with the Catholic Church and at our parish particularly. And then I, I said to the parents uh, who are also in attendance at that mass, I said, parents, if you have kids who've left the church, if you have siblings, if you have, even if your parents have left, here's your hope. Here's your hope right here. Look at all your brothers and sisters in Christ who, for whatever reason, left for a while, but look where they're at now. And so there, there's hope. So you can be a story for your daughter to know and other children, if they ever come down the line, to know that it's never too late. No matter what we've done, no matter what we may do, God always welcomes us back to a relationship with him. And that's beautiful. And so don't let the devil uh, accuse you or discourage you from just being authentic and acknowledge, look, I was a mess. I was broken. And even though I had all these things in the world, inside there was no peace. And there is a peace I have now with Christ and your Father and living in the sacramental life of the church. There's a peace that we experience now that nothing else compares. And we just want you to know that. Your testimony is very powerful, and I think your daughter will be grateful for your authentic witness um, from what she knows. But again, here's part two of that. It ain't her business to know about your past, so unless somebody tells her about stuff, you ain't got to tell her everything you've done. I don't want to know what my mom and dad did whenever they were, you know, dating back in the day. Like, that ain't, I do not care to know. I always tell people, when giving your testimony, share chicken nuggets, but spare the barbecue sauce. You can tell your daughter that you had a season where you were away from the church, where you were away from Jesus, um, where you were um, lukewarm, but you do not have to go on details about what that was like. There is no reason to do that. That's no reason. She does not need to know the details. So you can spare her the details, spare the barbecue sauce, and share just the witness of what Christ is doing for you now, if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. All right. So what do y'all think? If y'all have any additional advice for a changed mother, hit me up at Ask Father Josh at AscensionPress.com and let me know. Next question comes in from Dave. Dave says this, Father Josh, why are you Catholic? And you is in all caps, which reminds me of another great program we did with Ascension Press called You, Life, Love, and Theology of the Body. If you really want to know about Theology of the Body, it was a great program that we did a while back, a couple years ago. Uh, So Dave says this, I'm more or less of an agnostic right now, but I was wondering why you in particular are Catholic. What gives you the conviction that Catholicism is the one true faith? What in your eyes sets Catholicism apart from the hundreds, all the hundreds of religions and spiritual ways of life mankind has practiced and continues to practice today? Thank you so much. Yeah, so thank you, Dave. Great question. It's always good, too, just for me to remember why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? It's always good for me to remember um, when and where and how I fell in love uh, with Jesus, and I fell in love with Jesus on June 26, 2004, in Eucharistic Adoration at Steubenville South Conference in Alexandria, Louisiana, on Saturday night at 8 o'clock p.m. You never forget when you fall in love. And I felt 
in love with Jesus then. Before then, I did not believe in the Eucharist. I thought the Eucharist was a piece of bread. I thought it was a symbol. I did not want to be Catholic at that point in my life. I had no intentions of remaining Catholic, even though I was raised Catholic. But on that night, when the bishop processed off the crowds of the thousands of teenagers, and I was in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, for the first time in my life, I perceived from God unconditional love. That he saw me in my brokenness, and in my mess, and in my sins, and in my imperfections, and that he chose me. He still wanted to be in a relationship with me, even though I had done so many terrible things throughout my walk. Um, he then invited me in prayer to, to discern the priesthood. And so he invited me back to the Catholic Church. I didn't have any intention of ever going back to the Catholic Church after that retreat, after that conference. But whenever I fell in love with Jesus, I decided to care about what he cared about. And what he cares about is the church he founded. The pillar and foundation of truth, according to the word of God, is the church. In First Timothy, he says the pillar and foundation of truth is the church. Jesus Christ loves the church. Uh, he founded the church. And I refuse to think ever that I know more than the Catholic Church, being that Christ founded her. I also not only based my decision to become Catholic again, to come back to the church and to be a Catholic priest on my um, experience, not just on phenomenology, but also on history. All right, In scripture, we read about the sacraments of the church, but you also have what's called the tradition. We have the early church fathers and what they wrote about those sacraments. And the way we do them today as Catholics is the same way they did them in the first couple hundred years of the church. And there's no other church around um, who does the sacraments in the same method as the early church fathers, like the Catholic church does, like the Orthodox church, right? So uh, we have baptism, right? In the Acts of the Apostles and um, in the early church, a guy named St. Hippolytus of Rome in the year 215, he said this about infant baptism. He said, the children shall be baptized first. All the children who can answer for themselves, let them answer. If there are any children who cannot answer for themselves, let their parents answer for them or someone from their family. Right, this is the year 215. To this day, how many Christian churches still do baptisms for small children and babies, for infants? Right? The Catholic Church has always done this practice, right? And so I'm going to look at, all right, I want to be in line with what my early church fathers and mothers did in their walk toward eternity. And the year 253, St. Cyprian of Carthage talked about confirmation. And he talks about laying hands and anointing the people for the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, the year 110, the year 110 AD, St. Ignatius of Antioch said this about the Eucharist. He said, I have no taste for corruptible food, nor for the pleasures of this life. I desire the bread of God, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ. And for the drink, I desire his blood, which is love incorruptible. Like how many of our communities still believe that the Eucharist is the flesh of Christ and that it's his blood. And how many of our Christian communities just say it's a symbol, right? I want to be in line with the early church, what they taught about the sacraments. Uh, when it comes to uh, holy orders, even, uh, in the year 110, St. Ignatius said this, Since you are subject to the bishop, as to Jesus Christ, you appear to me to live not after the manner of men, but according to Jesus, who died for us, so that by believing in his death, you may escape from death. It is therefore necessary that as you indeed do without the bishop, you should do nothing, but should also be subject to the presbytery, right? Presbytery, that's the priesthood, as the apostle Jesus Christ. And then he also mentions, it's also fitting that deacons, as ministers of the mysteries of Christ, should also be respected, right? So there in the other church, they have bishops, they have priests, they have deacons. How many of our communities have bishops, 
priests and deacons, right? And so there's a, a not only do we have the scriptures that the church gave to, to Christianity um, through the Pope, but we also have the tradition and the history of our fathers and mothers in our faith. And finally, uh, I'm Catholic because I recognize I need this church. I need this church. I need these people to help me get to heaven. Seriously, I need all the help I can get. I say it every show. I'm a sinner. I go to confession weekly. I'm broken. I'm a mess. I'm imperfect. And I need as many people in the body of Christ, both in heaven and on earth, to accompany me and to help me become a saint. And so I need the church. I don't want to just be spiritual. I don't want to just have a, a relationship with Jesus apart from the community. I need everybody. I need all the help I can get so that I can abide in communion with Christ now and for all eternity. And so that's why I'm Catholic. That's why I chose the Catholic Church. Uh, let me know why you became uh, well. Why you became agnostic. I would love to hear your story, Dave. Um, so hit me up with another uh, email and share with me your story so I can get to know you better. And please pray for me, Dave. Like you're, you're also a necessary person in my life now. Now that we are uh, sharing hearts over this podcast, you are necessary to me and I need you. I need you to help me to get to Jesus and to remain in communion with Jesus forever and ever, forever, forever, ever, forever, ever. Yeah, forever. I would love to be with Jesus forever. So I'm going to pray for you, Dave. So anyways, we're about to take a quick break. Don't forget, if you have any other questions, um, hit me up at askfatherjoshsuppress.com. If you have any additional stories you want to share with Dave on why you became Catholic, let Dave know your story. I think our testimonies can be powerful. Share those testimonies with me also at essentialpress.com, askfatherjoshsuppress.com. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. If you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Mabby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you feel a fancy, you can record a voice note and send it to me as well. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats so that other people can find out about the show. All right, final question is about nuns without habits, and this comes in from Mary Beth. Mary Beth, I like that name. Mary, did you know that your middle name is Beth? First of all, I wanted to thank you for your podcast. Your glory stories encourage me to recognize Christ's actions in my own life. And every episode brings me nothing but peace and clarity. Thank you so much. I was hoping you could bring a little clarity to a certain aspect of my life. I work for a monastery, and I absolutely love my job. Uh, the sisters are the most beautiful, happy, holy women I've ever encountered, and they inspire me daily to go closer to Christ. They do so much good for the community as well. In telling people where I work, I run into a lot of judgment, judgment simply because the sisters don't wear habits. I feel like every time I tell people what I do, I have to give this elevator speech about how much I love the sisters and how much good they do which is usually met with condescension. When I try to engage and talk about their frustrations with the sisters, it all comes down to the habit. I understand the beauty and importance of wearing a habit. I really do. However, I don't think it's bad that these women don't. Am I wrong? It pains me to see all the good the sisters do being overlooked because of what they wear. Thank you, and I'll be praying for you 
Hope you have a wonderful day. Well, Mary Beth, while you're hanging out at that monastery, listening to this podcast, say a few prayers for me. I would be so grateful. I love to go to monasteries to pray. I love to go to convents to get away. Uh, they are some of the most peaceful places. Uh, so, on to your question. First of all, I just want to say I'm sorry um, for the feedback you've gotten when you tell people where you work. You get it? Sorry. Mother Teresa's nuns, they wear a sorry habit. Get it? Uh, <laughs> I have a bad habit of making nun jokes. Get it? Bad habit, huh? <laughs> That's pretty clever, huh? No. But uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, one thing I would encourage you to, to share with people who question the sisters that you work with that they don't even know um, necessarily is, is this. It's just ask them, um, whenever you get to heaven, can you imagine that those sisters that you don't want to be in a relationship with right now might be there as well? Here's the thing about heaven, and I always preach this, is that Jesus is calling for all of us to be intentional in our relationship with Jesus and the body of Christ. Jesus identifies himself with his people. In the Acts of the Apostles, when Saul was persecuting the Christians, Jesus Christ said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He identifies himself with his people. I'm going to go ahead and make a big assumption here that most of those sisters that you work with, Mary Beth, are baptized Christians, which means they are members of the body of Christ, which means that if your friends begin to criticize them, um, they're not just criticizing the sisters, but they're, they're criticizing the body of Christ. And Jesus is going to speak to your friends, and he's going to say the same words he said yesterday, today. Why are you persecuting me? Right? They are just as much members of the body of Christ as everyone else who is a baptized believer. Right? So we cannot dis disregard members of the body of Christ. Um, so I just would encourage um, you to challenge your friends um, and let, let them know if you if you choose to exclude the body of Christ while on earth, what makes you think that you're going to be able to dwell with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven? How can you say I love you to a God we cannot see if we don't show that love to the body of Christ whom we can see? Uh, it's it's going to be very difficult, I would propose. Right, so Jesus is, is Jesus and all of Jesus. It's Jesus and the body of Jesus Christ. And we can't pick and choose who is more of the body of Christ and less of the body of Christ. Um, our opinion is irrelevant when it comes to that. So it's good to connect with everybody. Um, I, I really encourage people that I'm walking with that first and foremost, our prayer life shows a lot in our actions. And so if, if we're sitting there just rejecting sisters because they don't wear habits or because they do wear habits, but they wear habits we don't like or, or because their veil is too long or too short or too thin or too whatever, um, then I encourage them to, first of all, just go and sit with Jesus and pray. Because, again, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we're going to act like Jesus, the more we're going to be like Jesus. And Jesus had the habit, get it, no pun intended, he had the habit of connecting with everybody Right, conservatives, liberals, married people, single people, old people, young people, men, women, children, whatever. He was all about connecting with people. And he pursues us and he invites us to imitate him by pursuing others, right? Pursuing other people and engaging in relationship with other people, regardless of our differences with them. In First Corinthians, we hear St. Paul say that we cannot say, I don't need you. I cannot look at a religious sister from the Benedictine community and tell her, I don't need you because I'm Carmelite. Or I can't look at a Carmelite sister and tell her, I don't need you because I like the Dominicans. And I can't look at the Dominicans and say, I don't need you because I like the Sisters of Life or, or whatever, right? And we can't ever say we don't need another member. The second we say we don't need a member of the body of Christ, we're going to 
we're going to limp. We're not going to thrive in building the kingdom. A number of years ago, whenever I was assigned as campus minister at Christ the King on LSU's campus, I used to run the lakes. And I was never a runner growing up. I mean, I ran for fun, but I was never like a serious runner. And so now that I started running daily, um, I never knew what kind of shoes I was supposed to get. You're supposed to get specific shoes for running. And so because I played basketball when I was younger, I ran with my Jordans around the lakes. Now, you can imagine those of you who run well know that you do not run on concrete with Jordans. That's just not what you do. And so I eventually really messed up my IT band and my knee at the point where I couldn't walk. Like I legit could not walk. So I would be up all night in serious pain because my my knee was hurting so bad and I couldn't do anything to help it. Because I was up all night in pain, I wasn't able to sleep well because I wasn't able to sleep well. I didn't wake up in time to pray well because I didn't pray well. I wasn't ministering to my people, my students on LSU's campus well, all because I didn't reverence my feet in the body of me, <laughs> the body of Christ. I did not reverence my feet in, in that that one member of my body, because it wasn't being reverenced, it it really messed up my entire body. I wasn't able to do anything well or be um, present to people who were in front of me. And I propose the same applies for people that we disagree with. Whether it's a sister that wears a habit or doesn't wear a habit, whether it's a priest who wears a cassock or wears clerics or, or wears the polo shirt, right? No matter what the person is that we're walking with, we cannot look at them and say, I don't need you to be a part of my body. Because we do. Because they're, they're the body of Jesus Christ. And they have a gift that they can share with us. And we have a gift that we can share with them. And there are ways that certainly they might need to be purified. But likewise, there are ways that we need to be purified. And the second we disregard members of the body because of our own preferences, we are going to suffer. And so will they. And we're going to be held accountable on Judgment Day by God for the ways in which we were not available to everyone. He's going to say, why were you pouring into this particular community, but you sat there and you just criticized this other community without ever having coffee with them, without ever having a conversation with them, without ever intentionally praying and fasting for them and walking with them. The thing is this, is iron sharpens iron. And so whenever we want to grow, um, we will allow ourselves to be with people who can uh, purge us. And sometimes we need to be with people who think different than us to be purged. I've benefited so much from being around people who think different from me. If I stayed in my only crowd, if I just isolated myself to one group of people who thought the same as me, I guarantee you we would not be seeing as much supernatural growth that we're seeing in my parish right now. But I've been open to other people coming with their gifts and their different personalities and their different temperaments um, and, and working with them wherever they're at. And, and it's helped me exponentially. It's helped me exponentially, and I'm sure God's been able to use me to help them as well. There's a, a priest I know who, um, I'm not going to lie, this priest has some sketchy some sketchy theology, uh, but he has some really good teachings when it comes to justice. And so um, he recently collaborated with a very orthodox group of Catholics who I admire very much. And I was very proud of them because they invited this priest to sit at the table with them. And when this priest sat at the table with this, this very orthodox group of Catholics, um, he was able to share his wisdom with them in a way that they were never able to um, perceive it before they invite him to sit at the table. And he certainly said some things, I'm sure, that they were like, oh, I don't know about that much. But they were able to trash that which wasn't helpful for the for the body of Christ. And they were able to receive the gift that was helpful for them. And now they're sharing with other people. And so, so much growth can happen whenever we just engage with people who are different from us. And we learn from them and receive from them and share with them from the depths of our hearts as well. Um, so, 
I would encourage you, my friend, Mary Beth, to invite your friends to sit and have coffee with the sisters before they, they make judgments about them. Um, and some final questions uh, about this topic that you might want to invite your friends to, to ask is this, is do you think God, to your friends, do you think God can use a non-habit-wearing religious sister to sharpen you? Can God do that? And if, if yes, how so? And if no, why, why not? Why can't God? And finally, how do you think non-Catholics perceive the disunity between Catholics who disregard religious sisters who either wear habits or don't wear habits? Do you think this disunity is a bridge or a barrier for non-Catholics to, to be able to enter into an intentional relationship with Jesus Christ in the sacramental life of the church? And people are very much observant of how we treat each other. And if people on the outside see Catholics on the inside fighting over who's wearing a habit that's long enough or short enough or, or whatever, um, then I think that that might turn a lot of people away from Jesus and the sacraments. And once again, we will be held accountable for that which we do and don't do to be a bridge for people to fall in love and to stay in love with Christ. So, yeah, hopefully that was helpful, Mary Beth. Uh, I'm very passionate about um, inviting everyone to sit at the table and, and walking with the entire community um, toward heaven and not disregarding particular members just because they're a little bit different from us. And so, um, yeah, maybe you might have heard that in my voice today. But yeah, but I love sisters. I love sisters. Um, they're great. I spend a lot of time with Mother Teresa's nuns, the missionaries of charity. I love the National Dominicans. Uh, they, they're, they're rock stars. The Mercedes, the Blessed Sacrament, uh, the, the Covenant Carmelites, they pray for me daily. Uh, the servants of the Pure Hearts of Jesus and Mary in Miami. Um, there's uh, the Apostles of the Interior Life. Um, there are Sister Ann Shields in her community. I mean, so uh, yeah, there there are so many sisters who I just love. And, and some of these communities were habits that are really long, and some were modified habits, like the Daughters of St. Paul and the Theresians and all the famous sisters, and some were no habits, like the Apostles of the Interior Life and whatever. They're, they're all um, witnesses. They're all great witnesses to us. And so let's not... Let us not disregard members of the body of Christ. So universal points that we can take away from today's show. Uh, we need each other is the first point. So don't ever think that you can make it to heaven without the community. We need the community to be able to be um, members of the body who persevere with Christ. Uh, when it comes to our past, don't let your past dictate your future. Keep moving forward. Don't focus on that. And when it comes to why I'm Catholic, um, for me, it's experience. For me, it's history. Um, for, for me, it's um, I fell in love. <laughs> I fell in love with Jesus. And so uh, it's good to have a reason why we do what we do. So why why are you a disciple? Why are you? Let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you, Father. Man, Father, I thank you for all the people that you have used to Draw me with bands of love to you in relationship with you. I thank you for all the ways that you've communicated your grace to me in and through people. Sometimes people who I may have assumed you would do it through. And also sometimes through people who I would have never imagined would be instruments of, of you and your love for me to help me to abide with you. So I just want to thank you right now and praise you right now for the gift of the people that you have uh, allowed me to, to walk with toward you. Um, Lord, I ask that you give me the grace to be a bridge for, for my community as well, to not to not come to me, but to come to you, um, to walk to you and to abide in you today and in every day um, for the rest of their lives. 
Um, I thank you for the body of Christ, not only on earth, Father, but for the body of Christ in the kingdom of heaven. For all those saints who, who just tirelessly intercede for me and who are always looking out for me and praying for me to, to not settle for mediocrity in my walk with you, but to, to try to be a saint. Uh, I say try, Father, because you know me. You know I'm broken and I'm a mess, but, but I'm your mess and you love me. <laughs> and so, Father, we just thank you and praise you right now. May we always have grateful hearts that focus on the good and not on the bad. Focus on the good, and the greatest good is, is your Son, Jesus. We pray this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.